Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Good morning, everyone. It's probably no surprise what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. And I wonder if you know what day, what day it is. What's today's day? December 18th, 13 days left until the end of the year, 13 days. And this time of year generally brings about some excitement, maybe because we're about to set some new goals. Uh, maybe the past year went well and or maybe it didn't go so well. And you're looking forward to putting it in the rearview mirror. And I wonder, as far as making plans about the future, does the Bible have anything to say about that. And James answers that question. James chapter four uh, and verse 13 offers this advice when we're making plans about the future. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. This or that. Now, I have to confess to you, I'm, I'm definitely guilty when it comes to what James said. I'm quick to grab that calendar. And just have at it with my plans without consulting God at all on my plans. And I would say best case scenario, after it's all said and done, maybe tack him on as an afterthought. So my plans up front and then if the Lord wills. But that's not what the scripture says. It says, if the Lord will, we shall. So he's up front. Put him up front. Please don't make the mistake that I've made. And also, Solomon offers some advice for us as well. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I couldn't help, with with all the time that I've had in the military, I couldn't help but use this analogy. When it comes to marching, I don't know if you've seen military units march, and I will confess right up front, the Marines are the best at it. (laughs) But the Army is a close second. (laughs) And generally how that's done is with two commands. Generally, whatever the movements are, they involve two commands. Preparatory command and command of execution. For example, present arms. Order arms. So you get that preparation. Now, with the scripture, with us making plans, that's the preparatory command. Present. But without God directing the steps, there's no command of execution. Nothing happens. We just made that plan. So that's why it's important to make sure we put God up front in the plan. Now, In terms of this time of year, companies take advantage of this. They 
their general practice is to have employee annual performance reviews. And I recently had one and uh, wasn't the best, <laughs> but uh, I, I survived. I survived it. Um, <clears throat> and it says here that 72% of companies do this. This is a common practice, although 87% of managers and employees say that it's ineffective. It's ineffective. Can you imagine why it's ineffective? Now, research has been done by Yosi St. Cyr, managing editor of HRinfodesk.com. And that research, that proven research says that constructive feedback is what improves performance. So if you get that feedback on how well you're doing, you can make adjustments and do better. <clears throat> now, I would present to you some of the reason that it's not successful is you set those goals and you're not looking at them until the end of the year. You set it in January. You didn't look at it again until December. You might not even remember what the goal was. How are you going to accomplish it? So I think to solve that problem, if we were to increase the frequency, increase the frequency in which we get the constructive feedback, then our chances of improving our performance would probably uh, go up. Our potential would go up. Now, I wonder what the scripture has to say about this. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul shares with us to examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. So the Bible even tells us to examine ourselves. I think there's scripture before partaking in the communion. We're to examine ourselves. This is a common practice, not to wait till once a year to examine yourself, but to do this on a frequent basis. So I wonder for the Christian, what does the constructive feedback look like? What does that look like? Well, we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message of preaching. Preach to save those who believe. So it seems like that constructive feedback could come in the form of preaching and the message. If we're to listen, understand, and apply it to our lives, we can make those adjustments that we need to to improve our performance. Maybe. And in Romans, it expounds on this preaching constructive feedback a little bit more. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. There we find, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, I mentioned earlier I had a performance review. It didn't go as, as good as uh, I would have liked for it to. But when it comes to this right here, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to share the word with you. So if I had to pick 
which goals and targets to achieve. I'd rather achieve this one than some secular, uh, what do they call it, key performance uh, index or, or, or such. <clears throat> Thank you for the reading, uh, Isaac, and um, and thank you for the words, uh, Mark, that you shared at the uh, communion table. All of it just kind of uh, ties uh, in together. So since we read this on the parable, I won't necessarily read that to you again, but I'd like to bring out the finer points, if we can, if we can unpack the onion, uh, if you will. Now, we talked about how constructive Feedback can improve performance. And if we were to increase the frequency, we might have better, a better outcome, a better uh, end result. And we see here in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me daily and follow him. He didn't say monthly. He didn't say once a week. He didn't say every six months. He didn't say every quarter. This is daily. So we see that same frequency principle being applied here. I wonder in this room, how many of you uh, have been in combat? For those that have been in combat, once war has been declared, we're fighting on a daily basis. We're not fighting like once a month or every Tuesday we'll engage you or every Thursday. It's every day. Now, <clears throat> on September 18th, Glenn shared with us a message on putting on the armor of God. And he talked to us about this warfare. So. The war has already been declared. We're already at war. And we need to be taking up our cross daily in this war. And in case you were counting uh, the days, that was 91 days ago. 91 days ago, Glenn talked to us about this. Now, on July 10th, Kale Hayes talked to us about this very parable. And about four minutes and 11 seconds into his lesson, he touched on three things. He touched on the different ministries. He touched on the expectation of the Lord and the actions that the servants took. Now, if that was the last time that you considered the talents, that was 161 days ago. Now, on November 30th, Tanner May talked to us about examining our spiritual walk. And he focused on avoiding the actions of the lazy servant that we're going to talk about a little bit later. And if you were counting the days, that's just 18 days ago. My point is, we're already in the we're getting into the habit of taking up that cross daily. We're examining ourselves on a frequent basis. Notice I didn't say in 2019, Glenn talked to us about this. 2017, uh, 
Tanner talked to us about this. So we're getting into that frequent examination, if you will. So <clears throat> I've underlined and bold some text. Hopefully you can see that. So in our primary text, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, things that I'd like to bring to your attention, I underlined those talents. Notice that there is there were five talents given out, there were two, and there was one. What you don't notice there is there's nobody who was given zero. Everybody was given something. And it says that those talents are according to their ability, according to their ability. Now, when I first start looking at this passage, I just glossed over it. I'm like, oh, I got this. I've heard it a few times. I'm good to go. Um, went to speaker training, shared my outline, and there were some questions that I just kind of glossed over. For one, maybe you're like me and you adopted Google's definition of talent. Google defines talent as a natural aptitude or skill, but that's not what we mean here. Now, Strong's Hebrew and Greek dictionary defines talent as a sum of money or a coin. And that's what we're talking about. So to kind of cement that a little bit in your mind, I did try to fade that graphic into the background. I don't know if you can make that out, but I didn't want it to compete with the text because that's what's most important. And then another thing that I noticed after it was brought to my attention is that ability is mentioned in that same scripture, just so that you don't get confused. That if we're saying talent, if we were talking about ability, we wouldn't mention it again in the same sentence. So that's another clue, if you will, in terms of the context. Also, in verse 18, 18 kind of drives this point home as well. It says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money, the Lord's money. He didn't say the Lord's ability. It said money. So again, we're talking about money when we say talent here. But then again, maybe you weren't like me. Maybe you didn't just gloss over the scripture. Maybe uh, it meant what it was supposed to uh, to you. Now, <clears throat> if I'm the person with one talent, maybe I'm looking over at the fellow who has two talents saying, well, I wish I had two talents. I mean, I, I, he only gave me he only gave me one. Or if I'm the person with two talents, I'm looking over at the lady who has five. I'm like, what? Well, she has five. Right? I wish wish I had wish I had five. But I think if we paid attention to Luke chapter 12, verse 48, maybe we would think a little bit differently. It says there, but he. Who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for everyone to whom much is given from him. Much. Will be required and to whom much has been committed of him. They will ask the more. So there is an expectation that comes with those five talents. There's an expectation that comes with those two talents. So maybe after reading this scripture, Maybe I would say, I'm glad he only gave me two. Or, I'm glad I only got one. 
the expectation isn't as high. And notice those talents were given out based on that person's ability. So I wonder in the scripture, are there other examples where there is a disparity, where not everybody's given the same, where some are given more, some are given less? And I think Paul answers this question for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, where we find, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free. And have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Not one member, but many. What do you take away from this passage? When I see that we're talking about the Greeks and the Jews, I'm thinking, Could you have two groups of people that are more different? But basically what I'm getting from that, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're free. It doesn't matter if you're a slave. We're all called to Jesus. Now, if I could put it in business terms, it would be a company that's accepting application. Hiring. Now hiring. If you're interested. For those that are interested. Now, since we're all different, and I gave an example of it earlier, if I only have two talents, I think there's a human tendency to compare what I have to somebody else. I I think that's just basic human uh, fault, if you will. And I think Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. Well, we find if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members of each one of them in the body just as he pleased And if they were all one member, where would the body be? I was just wondering if you if you had four ears, but zero nose or if you had two noses and no ears. I mean, you couldn't accomplish what you could with all those different parts. We all serve uh, different functions and different needs in the body. So it's important that we're different. I would go as far as to say it's by design. I think it's done on purpose. I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's random. Paul goes on to say that comparing ourselves to others, not only is that not a good thing, it's not wise to do that. It's not wise. It's not what wise people do. And that's what we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they 
measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So we definitely want to look out for that. We are different and we're that way by design. I'd like to look at these actions that the that these servants took. <clears throat> we see here in Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, that the first servant traded. The second gained. And the third heed. They all took action. They all took action. Sort of. And you'll see what I mean by that. They all sort of took, took action. Now, if you were given this sum of money and there was an expectation, who would you get investment advice from? Now, some would probably run to Warren Buffett. He's done pretty well. There's a few folks in our society who've done pretty well with some coins. But I would offer to you the advice of uh, Solomon here. And let's see if we can pick up on a pattern, if you will. In Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17, we find, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. So I see giving to the poor synonymous with lending to the Lord. I'm thinking that's a safe bet. That sounds safe. That sounds secure to me. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. Again, we see a pattern of giving to the poor and being blessed. This seems to be consistent with trading and gaining the first two servants. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack. But he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Now, once I looked at this, I saw that all three servants were kind of touched in this scripture because the scripture addresses giving to the poor, which being synonymous with trading and gaining. Because he will not lack, so he's going to gain. And then hiding his eyes, we talk, talked about the third servant. Hid the money. So we see all three, in a sense, in this scripture. And then Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 16. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. So although the oppressor is increasing uh, their riches, they're going to come to poverty eventually. And that's, that's not going to lead to the end result that they're looking for. Over in Luke chapter 16, pardon me, chapter 6 and verse 38, we find more information on, on giving. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I kind of felt like. Some of you probably could have benefited from that scripture a little bit before the 
communion, but that's okay. That's okay. Some of you probably took advantage of that. <clears throat> now, I wonder for the servant who is doing the oppressing the poor but still getting gains, is there any reason to change? Because they're increasing. He's, he's getting some gains, doing it the wrong way, but money's coming in. Is there any reason to change what he's doing other than the risk of coming to poverty? Because that's what the scripture says. Well, in Matthew chapter 19, pardon me, chapter 25 and verse 19, I think we have reason to why that person should change their ways. Well, for one, <clears throat> it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. Did you not know that God's going to come back and settle his account with you? Did, did you not know that? So if there's some ill-gotten gains, it's not going to show up good on the ledger. On the ledger. It's, it's not going to work out. So we got to give account. It goes on to say, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you received, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I've gained five talents more. And then he gives that constructive feedback, because we kind of talked about constructive feedback. And I was thinking, okay, the Performance review I received wasn't the best, but if there's any performance review I'd like to receive, it would be this one. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I think that, I don't think there's another performance review that could top that right there. I mean, that's what we all work to achieve. Not just for us, but for our loved ones, our brothers and sisters, this is the goal. This is the gold standard. So that, the first two servants, that's what they heard. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I'm, I'm thinking after I've heard that, I probably wouldn't even, I mean, there's more to say, right? You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. But I'm thinking as soon as I hear, well done, my, right, right there, I, I I've achieved the goal. The rest of it is just bonus. All of it is just gravy on top. I mean, I just wanted the potatoes, but I got the gravy and everything else. <clears throat> but that's not going to be the outcome for everybody. Because the servant that had one talent, he took action. Remember I said he took uh, action? But let's look at the action um, that he took. He said that he knew his Lord to be a hard man. Gathering where he didn't, uh, where he didn't scatter and he was afraid. There are a number of things that jump out. For one, if you know what's right and you don't do it, ooh, that's terrible in and of itself. Just that. <clears throat> and then he said, Basically, in a nutshell, there was an expectation. I knew you were expecting something. So I hid your money. Now I'm trying to think, what is that synonymous with? To me, that's like sitting on the fence. It's like I'm not going to I'm not going to lose that one time, but I'm not going to invest. it. I'm just going to sit right here. And a lot of people think that that's going to lead to a good result. Just sitting on the fence. I, I, I didn't 
I didn't commit this way or that way. And we'll see how that turns out if we can sit on on the fence, if you will. Let's see what the what the constructive feedback is. It may be destructive or it may be constructive. Matthew chapter 25, verse 26. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bank, with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. <clears throat> I don't know what you're getting from this, but what I got was. There's like a minimum. He said like a minimum standard like at, you, you didn't even do the minimums. So I'm thinking sitting on the fence is less than the minimum. The, I don't know how many of you strive for the minimum. Is there anything that you strive for the minimum? Now, for me, it is. It is. I can give you an example. Like um, my bills, I, I try to make sure that uh, that electricity is the minimum. I want, I want the minimum on that. Uh, that gas bill, I want it to be the minimum. So there are some things that I try to strive for in the minimum, but my salvation is not one. It's not one of those. I don't. I don't want the minimum when it comes to my salvation. I want some of that. I really just want that well done. That's that's the ultimate. That's what I want, not the minimum. And then there's more. Let's see. Sitting on the fence. Let's see what sitting on the fence gets us. He said, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he will be taken away. The cast and cast the unprofitable servant out in the other dark, outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I'm thinking sitting on the fence. Sit, sitting on the fence didn't turn out so good. I, I would avoid that. I would advise against avoiding that if I were you. <clears throat> so we have a choice. We've been given talents. Remember I said that there was nobody given zero talents. Everybody was given one, two, or five. You're in that group somewhere. But you might you might be on the fence though. You might not know what I want to do with that one, that one talent. And if that's the case, we have some advice here from David. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25. He says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends. And his descendants are blessed. I'm thinking that's some good advice right there. That's some good advice. But maybe that's not enough for you because you're saying, hey, David had a few indiscretions you know may, you know maybe maybe his credibility isn't there so let's let's step it up a notch let's 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 see what Jesus had to say about about the man Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 then he said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him 
If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've examined yourself and tested yourself and you failed. Maybe you need the prayers of the church. If you're online and you're listening to us, please contact our elders if you fall into one or more of those categories. But if you're here physically with us in the auditorium, we ask if you fall into one of those categories, would you come forward, take a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing the song of invitation. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.